we're all familiar with the story of Lazarus and how he was raised from the dead and the things that are going on. The story's been on my mind and on my heart for a, a long time lately, and I thought about it and thought about it, and I've tried to understand exactly what God was wanting me to gain from it. It's a familiar story, as I said. We all know it well as we think about it, and I think maybe the thing that just really kept coming to my mind that just grabbed a hold of me and I couldn't get past over the last months, and I finally just had to put it down and try to work it out and, and uh, deal with some things, is the fact that the reality that Jesus called Lazarus by name. It's an amazing thing to me, that God knows our name. The creator of the universe. I mean, everything that is, he's spoken to being. There's nothing that exists apart from his being, and yet of the billions of people upon the earth, he knows your name. He knows my name. What an amazing account that is to me. What a, an awareness of, of what's going on and being a part. Let me just read a couple of verses out of that story that you know so well. And then, and then I just want to talk a little bit about the, the love that God has for us as he calls us by name, the reality of what that means in our own lives as we come forth into life, even as Lazarus was brought back to life, and all that involves together as we look at it. But would you stand with me as we look in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, just going to, not going to read the whole passage, but verses 43 and 44, as we look at those and let them speak to us, you'll remember the account of what's been going on before these moments. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, this is referring to Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his, for, and his face was wrapped around with cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, again, I, I just thank you that you know our name, that you love us enough to become a part of our life by offering yourself to us in Jesus Christ, that we might have our sins forgiven, that we might be included in your family and be called the very children of God. Father, what an amazing gift that is to each of us. What a, a wondrous thing it is to know that the creator of all the God of the universe, the one to whom there's nothing that can be compared, no one that can be compared, one who is so far beyond and above all of our thoughts and our ways, knows our name and loves us. Well, I just pray that you would just speak your words of encouragement and challenge into our lives this morning and just allow us to remember that, that you do love us, each one individually, and that you love us as though it's the most important thing in all the world. Father, I thank you for that, and I pray in your name, amen. You may be seated. You know, I just want to take a few moments to go over several scriptures with you, and you'll pardon me as I refer to them as we look at this, just to remind you and to remind me how great God's personal, intimate love is for you and for me. The Bible is filled with verses, filled with attributes of things that talk about how God's great love for us. Psalm 119 reminds us that God knew us before we were even born. That even as we're being formed in life, that God already knew us and knew everything about us and all the things that are going on and being a part of that as we look at it. Psalm 147 tells us that God knows every single one of the stars by name. And if he knows the stars by name, how much more does he know you and know me because of the importance that he places in our lives, the crown of his creation and all that's going on. In Isaiah 43, he says, I have called you by name, you're mine. And in Isaiah 49, 16, he said, we are, he has engraved us on the palm of his hand. 
He knows us. He understands who we are and what's going on. In, John chap- in Luke chapter 12, excuse me, he tells us he knows the very numbers of the hair on our head and that we're more important than the sparrows that are fed and taken care of by God and all that goes on and the things that are happening. John 10, 3 says, Jesus calls his sheep by name. And a few verses later in that same chapter, he tells us that, that his sheep, he calls his sheep by name and they know him even as he knows them and being a part of it as we look and understand. Psalm 56, 8 says that God knows all about the tossings and turnings of our life. And he collects our tears in a bottle. He is that intimately concerned about you that every time you toss and turn in the night, in the living of your life, and all the things that are going, he knows every single moment of that time in your life and all that's going on and being a part of it. He calls by name. We could go through the scripture and we would find again how he called people. He called Moses by name. He called Adam by name. He called Samuel by name. You remember even as a little child. Samuel, Samuel, as we look at him, we understand that he called Paul when he was still Saul by name, as he met him on the Damascus Road and the things that were going on, Zacchaeus by name, Mary and Martha and Lazarus by name, and so many others that we could go through over and over. He knows your name. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, please understand that God loves you so very much that he knows you intimately and personally, and he knows you by name, and he loves you. He loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, he loves you personally. We talk about God so loved the world, but I want you to bring it home to what God really wants you to understand is that God loves you. As an individual, as a person, he loves you. and he, That's why Jesus died on the cross, was for you, for you to know him and experience him. So as we look at this and understand God knows your name, he loves you, but let's get back to the story of Lazarus and all that's going on as we look at it. it first of all, I think it's important that we remind ourselves that Lazarus was dead. He wasn't in some kind of swoon. He wasn't some kind of animated state. He wasn't uh, being just uh, asleep for a little while. The Bible makes it very clear that he was dead. And part of the emphasis of the four days that you referred to there is to make it clear that he was dead. He was physically dead in every way. And as we remember that, we also need to remind ourselves that every single person is dead spiritually. The Bible tells us that we have all are dead in our sins and our trespasses, that we are all without life in us because we have chosen death over life. That's a choice we make as we choose not to receive the life God has given to us. The Bible talks to us about all these things as we look at it in Ephesians, in Romans, and Colossians all remind us that we are dead spiritually. Even as he was dead We are dead. And we also need to understand that Lazarus couldn't raise himself from the dead. He couldn't bring himself back. And neither can you and I bring ourselves to life apart from the work of God in our life. As God spoke to Lazarus and called him by name and brought him to life, he speaks to you and he speaks to me and he calls us by name to bring us out of the death that we're in into the life that he has provided for us in Christ Jesus and all that we know and understand. And so we want to keep that in mind and understand that and be a part of that as we look and see. And the Bible makes it clear that we come at his calling. We don't choose the day and the hour of our salvation. We don't get to say, well, you know, I know I need to be a Christian. I ought to be a Christian. I plan to be a Christian. Someday I will be a Christian. No, that's not up to you. The Bible makes it very clear in the book of John in chapter 6 that we come only when the Father draws us. We come only as God invites us to come. And if we choose not to listen, if we choose to say no, which many people do, that's the decision we make. But we don't pick the day and the hour of our salvation. We come at the calling 
of God who calls you by name, loves you, gave himself for you, and wants you to experience the fullness of his life that is all that you and I have as we look and as we see. So what can you and I learn from this story in Lazarus? Well, there's, there's so many things, and obviously we don't have time this morning to spend the, the three or four weeks of study that it would take to get over everything that we need to in this time. And so what is it that God is saying to us? That what that you and I need to grasp this morning in the realization that he loves us and that we need to be a part of it. Well, the first thing we note when we look at the story and we understand this is that he did call Lazarus to come forth, to come out of the grave. Called him by name. What amazes me is that so many people prefer to stay in the grave instead of coming to life. Prefer death over life. Well, that's not true. We spend billions and billions of dollars every year doing everything we can to preserve life. Make us look like we're going to live forever. No. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that men prefer darkness over light because our deeds and our works are evil. And we don't want them to be revealed. We don't want them to be seen. We don't want the world to know. We don't even want ourselves to know how ugly our heart is in all that we do in the evilness of our lives and the death that we dwell in day in and day out. And yet the Bible makes it very clear that there are many who prefer death over life. Many who prefer to live in the darkness rather than in the light. We have a choice every time. God called Lazarus by name and he called him to come out of that tomb. And he calls you by name. And he called me by name. And we had the choice of whether or not we wanted to receive him or respond to him and accept the gift that he had for us or if we wanted to stay away from him and reject him and live according to our own way and our own practice and the things that are going on. See, only love, God's love, can transform a person and bring forth real life. Bring forth that which you and I need and desire in our hearts, in our lives, every coming forth. But even as Lazarus came forth from the grave by the calling of his name, each of us have to make that choice. We can say no, or we can say yes. But that's all. There's not a maybe or sometimes. It's yes, I receive Christ Jesus as Lord of my life. No, I choose not to. We stay in the grave or we come to life in all that's going on and being a part of it as we look. But you'll remember in the story that as he came out of the grave, the Bible says that he was still bound in his grave clothes. There's a lot of things I could say about that and, and would like to, but two things that stand out in my mind when I, when I really think about that. First of all, there's a lot of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, who come forth when he called our name, but we have insisted upon wearing our grave clothes. We don't allow someone to help us remove them. We don't allow them to be taken away from us. We're still convinced that the only way we can be right with God is if we prove our worth to Him, if we earn some, His merit, if we still do those kind of things that make Him say to us, man, I'm sure glad I saved you because you're really special. There's something about you that like nobody else could have been about. No, God loves us for who we are. And He wants us to know the fullness of life. And yet we, that's a gift to us. By grace we are saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are not saved by anything that we do, by anything that we are a part of, by any church that we belong to, or any actions that we do. We are saved by the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and that alone. 
And we need to understand that. If, if you're a Christian today and you're still bound up in the law, you're still bound up in trying to prove yourself to God, you're working yourself to death, you've lost the joy of your salvation, you've lost all the wonder of what it means to walk with God, get out of those grave clothes. Put them aside. God doesn't want you to be bound any longer. He wants you to live in the freedom and the wonder of what it means to be a child of the living God. He wants you to understand that He came forth to give you life and that more abundantly. It's time for Christians to quit living in the past. To quit living bound by the laws of the Old Testament and the things that are there. Now, some of the laws there, God, Jesus didn't say, I came to wipe them out. I came to fulfill them. I came to make them what they ought to be. But we need to realize that God has set us free. We cannot earn salvation if we spend the rest of the days of our life. If He gave us hundreds of lifetimes, there would never be a moment in our life when we would be acceptable before God by all the actions that we took, by all the things that we did, all the activities that we're involved in, no matter how many good works we do, no matter what we are part of, we can never earn God's favor. We can never be saved based upon who we are and what we do. It's a gift. But the second thing that comes out of that for me is that God didn't, Jesus didn't ask Lazarus to remove his own grave clothes. He asked those around him to take them off, to remove those grave clothes. To me, that's what this church is about. That's discipleship. That's what we're supposed to be doing. See, we, none of us are to be uh, people who think that we can make it in this life by ourselves that we don't need anybody else, that, that we're sufficient unto ourselves. None of us have the right to believe that, that we don't need the fellowship of God's people among our, in our life and the things that we're going on and being a part. We cannot stand alone. We need Christ Jesus and the people of God to be a part of it, to do that. And we come along and the, as people come to, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we help each other take off those bindings that are limiting the life that God's called us to. Remove those things from our hearts that are keeping us from knowing the fullness of God's love and being a part of it. We're to stand one by one, side by side, and being the people of God that He's called us to be, being able to disciple one another. When a new child, when a baby is born, it doesn't know how to feed itself and clothe itself and do all the things that are necessary. No, it, it takes help. We have to help it, and as it goes and becomes more mature and begins to age, we help it to learn how to do those things on its own, and it's able to begin to take care of itself and being a part of it. It's no different in the Christian life. We are born brand new, and we need help to learn how to pray. We need help to learn how to read the Bible. We need help to learn how to be the stewards of life. We need help to learn how to witness, to learn how to worship with God's people, how to be the... We need one another. And God has placed us in His love with one another. He didn't pick us up somewhere and set us out somewhere alone and say, good luck. Hope you get it all figured out. No, He picked us up and birthed us into a family. A family of God. Because He loves us so very much that He wants us to be surrounded by the warmth of God's love. He wants us to be surrounded by the love of God's people and being apart with one another and lifting up one another and sharing with one another and teaching one another and encouraging one another so that we can be all that God wants us to be. So that we can experience everything that God wants us to experience in this life. He loves us so much. He does not want us to miss anything. And so we need each other. That's, that's what the church is supposed to be. It's not a place that we're supposed to come and find things wrong with one another and point all the things wrong in our lives and the things that are going on. It's not a time when we're supposed to look and say, well, if you'd just do this and if you'd do this, we'd certainly be a lot better off than what we are right now. No, it's a time for you to come and say, God loves you and I love you and I'm praying for you. 
I want you to know that. There's not a day that goes by I don't pray for you. Is there any way I can help you? Is there a way I can minister to you? Can I help you to understand? Could we sit down and learn how to read the Bible together? Or maybe you're struggling with prayer. Could we sit together and pray with one another and learn how that you and I can speak to our Father in ways that just help us to grow and understand that? Could I help you and encourage you to realize you need to be in church. You need to be with God's people. No, it's not good enough to say I worship God at home. It's not good enough to say I do it out in nature. That's not what God planned and it doesn't work. What I need is to be with God's people. Can I help you understand why? Can we work together that we can grow together in that way? Yes, I need to be a steward of life, a steward of my finances, a steward of my talents, a steward of my time. Can I help us understand what that means? I mean, we need each other. And because God loves us so very much, He didn't create us in a vacuum. He didn't put us alone in ourselves. He gave us a family. And that's who we are. That's what it means to be a part of God's family, is that we love each other and we help each other. We're here to help one another remove each other's grave clothes. See, when God helped me be, have them removed by me, by those who discipled me and, and loved me and being part of it, then I become responsible to step forth and help someone else get their grave clothes off so that those who have been redeemed, those who have been, had their grave clothes removed are to be busy every single day, all the time, all the rest of our lives, helping someone else get those grave clothes ripped off of their life so that they can live in the abundance, the wonder of what God has for us. Oh, it's so sad how many of us who call ourselves Christians never live. Never live. We stay bound when God wants to set us free. That's why he called us by name. To say, I love you. See, it was God's plan before the beginning of the world that we'd be saved. That he would provide a means by which man could be redeemed. And even though we have remained rebellious throughout all the ages of time, we have turned our backs upon God as mankind over and over and over again. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that he demonstrates his love to us and that while we still are in rebellion, while we still are not seeking him, while we still don't want to have anything to do with him, Christ died for us. He loved us that much. He couldn't promise that we would respond to his love. There was no guarantee that we would accept that gift. But that couldn't hinder God's love. That couldn't stop him from giving his love away freely to each and every one of us who will receive it. That couldn't stop him from calling us by name and saying to us, come forth. I invite you to life. I invite you to, for, for, to forgiveness, to peace, to joy. I invite you to put away those old rags and to take on this righteous robe that I have presented for you in Christ Jesus. That's what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21, when he says that God made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin so that he might be able to become, that we might be able to become the righteousness of God. So he took those old filthy rags, those grave clothes, and he removed them from us dressed us in the robes of his righteousness. That's what we do together to understand that. What does that mean? How does that apply? What does that be a part of all that we're going and all that we're doing? God loves us so, so very much. And it's the Holy Spirit who woos us, calls us into a relationship, speaks to our hearts and calls us by name. The Father loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But I'm a sinner. I don't have a right. I'm not worthy. And the Holy Spirit says, I know. But God loves you. 
wants you to be in a relationship with Him. So He put His Son upon a cross so that He could pay the penalty that you deserved. The death that is rightfully yours for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. God loves you. And he wants you to know what that means. He wants you to understand that. He wants you to wake up every morning with a realization that he loves you. And he wants to walk with you through that day, to be with you in that day. He is intimately concerned about all that you are and everything that you're about and what's going on. We need to understand God's love for us. And what we need to know this morning is it's never too late to come out of the grave. Until that day Christ comes, and then it'll be over. But until that moment, no matter who you are, no matter what your age is, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've done in your life, he's speaking to you and calling you by name and saying to you, I love you, and I want you to come into my life, into my home, into my family. I want you to accept my forgiveness. I want you to receive life in that eternally that's why I gave Jesus to die was for you you need to understand that this morning folks Jesus died on the cross for one reason you me he loves us we can say together for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life but what God wants you to understand is what you need to do there is put your name in the place where it says world for God so loved Daryl that he gave his only begotten son that if I would believe in him, I wouldn't perish, but rather I would have everlasting life. God so loved you. Put your name there because that's how it's intended. You, that he gave Jesus to die. Folks, that's a lot of love. That's a lot of love, and it's for you. From the one who is love, the one who is known, who is the very essence of love. He has that love for you. He wants you to experience that love, to live in that love. And so for me to understand what maybe God was trying to help me to see, again, first of all, is the reminder that, that God so knows me and understands me and relates to me that he knows my name. I'm not good with names. I wish it was, but I'm not. But God never forgets a name. He knows you. And he calls you by name into life. And this morning, if you've never put your faith and your trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you upon the cross, you've never genuinely said to him, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing that I can do that can help me move from death to life. But I believe what you did for me in Christ Jesus is sufficient for that miracle to happen. I believe you've called me by name to come out of the grave and to step into life. And this morning I want to give my heart, my life to you. I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. I receive you into my heart and life. I accept the gift of life that you've offered to me. 
then it doesn't matter whether you say, oh, I've always gone to church, I was raised in a Christian home, I, I belong to this church, I've done this, I've done that, I've been baptized, I've read the scripture. I, none of that matters if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. doesn't mean a thing until you personally let the Holy Spirit voice your name and you listen. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to me. God loves me. God died for me. I accept it. I receive that love. And you become his for everlasting. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you're a Christian, but you know that you've been bound. You're not living the kind of life God wants you to live. You're bound up in all the things of this world and you're not free. You don't know the joy and the peace and the wonder to be loved in so amazing ways that it just frees you to be you. This morning you want to say to the church, would you help me get some of these bindings off so that I can live the kind of life God's called me to live, so I can enjoy the life he wants me to live. That's why we're here as brothers and sisters to help each other. We're all at different stages of growth in our life. None of us are exactly the same place. We all need each other to help us along the way. And maybe this morning, that's your commitment. That's your need. You just say to the church family, pray for me. Help me. I want to live that life God's called me to live. I don't know what your individual needs are. God does. Because he knows you this morning by name. He knows exactly where you are in the living of your life. He knows what you're dealing with, what you're facing. He knows the struggles of your heart and mind, the questions that you have. He knows every action of your thought and the mind and, and the action of your life. And yet, this morning, I can say unequivocally, God loves you. He loves you. And he wants you to come forth from the death that has you captured begin to live in the freedom of the life he's given to you. Come out of the darkness. Step into the light. Take off those grave clothes and begin to live because God loves you. He loves you. Would you stand with me as we pray together and then we're going to have a moment of invitation to allow you to respond in any way that you believe God is asking you to do in these moments. Father, I thank you this morning that you do love us. That for those of us who know without any question of a doubt that we have genuinely responded to your grace and we have received your forgiveness through Jesus Christ as we put our faith in him and him alone. We say thank you that you called us by name. For those who have not yet done that, maybe clinging to the fact that they're a church member or thinking that they've done good works or they've done this or they've done that, but they've never really just yielded their heart and their life to you and said without any question, without any doubt, I give my life to Jesus Christ. I accept you as Lord and Savior of my heart. I'm ready to come out of the grave to step into life. May this be the day that they would do that, Father. And for those who are here who know beyond any question that they are rightly related to you, they have received Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life, but they've not walked in the freedom, they've not walked in the joy, they've not experienced the peace that you want for them to have. Maybe they're still finding themselves bound in some of the grave clothes that they came forth from. They're not been willing to let them be taken away, but God help this morning to be a day in which they say, I'm ready 
some of those wrappings to begin coming off. I'm ready to walk in the life, the abundant life that God's called me to walk in. I'm ready, ready to walk in the love that you have for me. Father, whatever the needs are, you know. And I pray as you've been working in each of our hearts through this time this morning, through the music, through the prayers, through the communion, through all that we've done together, through the very word of the living God, that those who have need this morning to respond in some public way will do so. And those who just need to get some things right in their own heart and life, or maybe they need to go to a brother and sister and just say to them, would you walk with me? Would you mentor me? Would you help me to grow the way God wants me to grow, to find life the way he wants me to find it, whatever it may be? Or maybe someone needs to go to someone else and say to them, you know, I've been praying for you. I know how much God loves you, and I know you've had some struggles in your life, and I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you, and if there's anything I can do, I'd be glad to walk beside you in whatever experiences you're dealing with. Father, just help us to be the church. That's all that means. We'd just be the church to one another. Because the resurrected life is the only life that make up a real church. God bless these moments of invitation. They're yours. They belong to you. May your will be done, I pray in Christ's name.